Oasis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Hello, I am Scott Allen, and thanks to my daughter Kate for developing the intro to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast, where we offer a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests help us explore timely topics and incorporate practical tips to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. If you haven't done so, please click subscribe so you automatically, seamlessly stay in the know when we publish new episodes. Likewise, please provide me with feedback. What do you like? What do you dislike? And what else would you like to know? And now, today's show. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Phronesis. We have an exciting conversation to have today with Ron Riggio. He is our first repeat guest, and I just looked at the analytics, and he's actually the most downloaded guests that we've had since we started in April. So Ron has published a new book, and it is called Daily Leadership Development, 365 Steps to Becoming a Better Leader. So I thought, why not? What a great time. It's the new year. It's 2021. We're turning the page. And how do we think about leadership development in this new year? So Ron, how are you, sir? I'm good. And happy new year, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Well, take us through the book. I mean, this is an undertaking. This is 365 suggestions. To, to be, yeah. That's intense. That's awesome. I love it. Tell us yeah, about it. Yeah. Well, it was a bit of work. Um, but actually, the new year is probably a good time to talk about this because one of the ways you can think about it is a new year's resolution. Yeah, and and we know that one of the, pro- the problems or one of the issues with New Year's resolutions is that they're really hard to keep, right? So we say we're going to lose uh, ten pounds, or we're going to you know change this part, exercise you know weekly or whatever, and we're unable to do it. And so just like that, um, just like any New Year's resolution, this would be a good time to think about your leader development. Your yeah leader development. And that was kind of the idea. And so the idea was, what could you do um, when you wake up or when you go to bed for five minutes that could help develop your leadership step by step, right? And we know that we don't have a whole lot of time to do this. And so the idea is, what could we do in terms of small, daily, sort of bite-sized chunks of leader development? I love it. Well, it makes me think I just finished. Jay Conger actually had recommended that I read Atomic Habits. So I don't know if you've had a chance to read the James Clear book, Atomic Habits. Have you read it yet? No, I have not. But it's it's very much in line with some of his thinking about these these very small changes in behavior, changes that are, you almost can't fail at, uh-huh. are what builds upon one another into better habits long-term. And he has a really beautiful biology example that I'm not going to be able to repeat right now, but I think it's something similar here. It's, look, if every day I'm going to this, it's not going to take me 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. It's five, seven minutes. I'm keeping this topic top of mind for me and it keeps it on our radar, right? Yeah. And, and that's the idea. And and you don't have to do it on a daily basis, too, because it's broken down into weeks. And so there's a topic for each week. And some of the larger topics extend more than one week. But 
you know, so the book sort of starts out and says, you know, you've got to commit to this. You've got to motivate yourself. You know, this is a journey, not a destination. And, <laughs> and um, you know, and it follows on through to that. And the and so another way to look at it, another way that I thought about it is that it doesn't even have to be a year. This could be something that you could go back through throughout your leadership career because the last few weeks are really about kind of thinking about the the end of leadership or the end of your leadership in terms of what's your leadership legacy, right? That's the fi- week 50. What's your leadership legacy? There's also information on here about, you know, like, what, you know, how should a leader think about retirement? How should a leader think about the next generation of leaders? So, so you can sort of see it as a year or you can see it as kind of your whole whole lifetime. And the hope is that this is the kind of book that you'd leave on the, on the nightstand, you know, and uh, pick it up in the morning, read a little bit, and then eventually go back to it too. Tell, tell us about the under, how long did this take you? This is, this is a big project. Well, it, I mean, the writing itself took uh, took a, a, a few years, but I really, you know, it actually was the COVID lockdown that got me to to finally do that final push and, and get it all done. Is I didn't really have I'd sort of cleared other projects, and uh, we locked down and got done with classes in May, and I pretty much worked on it through August and pulled it all together. It's actually based, though, the kind of concept came to me with a book that I, you know, sort of keep around, right? Keep it right here on my desk, The Daily Drucker, because, ah. you know, I knew Peter Drucker here in Claremont. And this is, a, you know, day-by-day reading, uh, 365 readings of, you know, some of Peter Drucker's pearls of wisdom. And I'm hoping that this could be the same thing. This is a little more organized and integrated and follows kind of a, a progression of leader development, but you can still go jump around, go back to earlier parts or skip ahead if you want to. Yeah. Well, you told us about even some of the later weeks, right? It might be end of career transitioning. What are some of the other themes that you explore in the content of the book? Well, I try, I tried to be comprehensive. I, I told my daughter, my daughter helped me, helped me with uh, proofreading and editing. And then she sort of became my publicist. And and, and she sort of said, gosh, you know, what's in here? I said, essentially everything I know. (laughs) So, you know, I've taught um, IO psychology, I've taught management, leadership courses and all that. And I kind of, so embedded in here, is kind of a, a, a quick overview of um, what I think are exemplary leadership theories. So there's a week on transformational leadership. You know, there, uh, there's a little bit about leader relationships. It kind of has some, you know, some LMX in there. But then even going to, to kind of the OB level, there's a couple of weeks on what leaders need to know about about human resources issues. So human resources from the leader's perspective. A couple weeks on organizational politics from the leader's perspective. Lots of stuff on communication, for example. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of practical stuff. There's toolkits throughout. At the end is sort of the, near the end is sort of the advanced toolkit and the basic toolkits are in the front. 
there's leadership. The, the one I like is leadership lessons, um, which actually covers two weeks. So leadership lessons from everywhere. And, and really? yeah, and part of it is, you know, there's some really interesting books out there. So, um, you know, there was one that I remember reviewing a long time ago, leadership lessons from the Navy SEALs, but I kind of uh, put that together, leadership lessons from the military, uh, leadership lessons from, um, uh, we, I did a paper with Nick Warner. You might know Nick Warner. Who's I don't know Nick, no. Yeah, he's a, sort of a film studies guy. And we did one on um, <laughs> essentially leadership lessons from The Godfather, from the movie The Godfather. So what are the good and the bad lessons that you learn? <laughs> um, you know, so so there's, there's some kind of fun stuff in there. Um, but most of it's, you know, kind of serious leader development. And, I, and the idea is that if you finish the book and you're really paying attention, you'll know quite a bit about leadership theories. You'll know quite a bit about the, the tools and, and how to lead. And you'll have a pretty good grounding in just management and just the field of management. So, you know, I tried to kind of put my courses into this, too, in little, uh, you know, in a light level. Well, and what I like about it, you you mentioned, hey, you're going to learn about leadership theory, but this isn't an academic. The, the tone is not academic. It's no. very, very user-friendly. It's very accessible for really anyone at any level, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that was the idea. I mean, yep. you know, part of the idea, too, was I was thinking about our graduates here, right? So we're liberal arts undergraduate college. And, you know, the students go off. And I thought, what can I give them? to take with them. And we're giving all of our seniors a copy. And the idea is, you know, don't leave it here. You know, you're going to, and you're going to get a job, you're going to end up in a leadership position. So don't, don't stop developing because one of the things we do here at the Kravis Leadership Institute is we develop the next generation of leaders. And, you know, but the problem is once they graduate, who knows where they go, you know, (laughs) it's scattered to the four winds. Yeah. I, I love that you're giving it away as a gift. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it really is. Because again, if people are embracing that thinking around using this as a reference, like you had that, you literally just picked up the Drucker book, right? And showed it to me as we're recording right now. And it's right there. And if this is that resource from a leadership perspective, I think what an incredible value. What an incredible value. And what a great gift to give these seniors as they move on to begin their career. Yeah. And and, and that was kind of the idea, you know, keep and, and actually the very last entry is keep in touch. So one of the things that I'm doing is and I have a blog on psychology today. And some of these, you know, many of the entries were inspired by the blog. So I took the blog post sometimes and re reformatted them. But the the last one says, stay in touch with me. So I continue to play, you know, put up new lessons on, on my blog post. My daughter set up a, a, a website, regioleadership.org, and there's resources there. And in fact, in the book, there are some assessments too. I didn't mention the assessments. And some of them are, are bigger. So you have to go to the regioleadership.org website to do the assessments, take the assessment. Yeah. Um, and we'll be adding those as we, as we kind of go along. Well, even as I look at the contents, you yes, I mean, you've got good leadership, ethical leadership, leader qualities, complex leadership, teams. 
I mean, more leadership in teams, that's a big topic, right? (laughs) Even more on leadership in teams. (laughs) I think there's two weeks on bad leadership. There's a lot of of bad leaders out there. You you did. There there is. There's toxic cultures, toxic leaders. Yes. And in fact, when you get to the end of that, then it goes into good leadership. Because I think after I wrote those two weeks, I was a little depressed. Let's focus on, you know, I mean, we're talking about bad. What are the lessons we learned to avoid from bad leaders? But then how can we move that forward in kind of then the next chapter or the next week is good leadership and then ethical leadership, which takes it even to the higher level. If you think about what you have in here, is there anything that that you've left out? Is there anything upon retrospect? Or I imagine that's going up on the website. But is this literally everything, Ron? I mean, that's... so I had, boy, you know, I, I sent a copy to someone I got, and I've got to give her a shout out. And you've had her on your, on your program, uh, Susan Comavez. Yes. I sent it to her and I said, you know, what, what do you think? Cause I really respect her work. And she essentially almost line by line edited it, you know, and, and made suggestions. I mean, put an enormous amount of work in. I, I almost should have given her a co-authorship on it. <laughs> But she said I had, and of course, this is her area. She said I, I probably should have done more on leadership and change. And there are a couple of things on leadership and change, but she thought that that there should be more. And so that's one of the things I'm looking at. The other thing, I do have a couple of weeks on issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, but there, but that's a tough area, and there's you know very complicated. And so I probably could do some more on that. And, and, you know, there's always new things coming out, too. So that's why I'll sort of continue it. And I've actually thought about, I mean, I got to rest a little bit from the, from the work, but, <laughs> you know, uh, revising it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and updating. Let's. So, so can we move from the book for just a moment and talk about kind of a continuation of some of our conversations from our first podcast? Sure. Can we do that, Ron? Absolutely, yeah. I've asked this of a couple people now. I've I've asked this question of, I, I interviewed Emilio Iodice. Emilio has a book right now called Commander in Chief, and he has really worked in a few different administrations, been right there at the forefront of all of what's happening. And, and so we had a very interesting conversation. I asked Mary Obin the same question. And now I want, I'd love to hear your perspectives. What is, what does President-elect Biden need to do to move past some of all of the challenges that are inherently baked into the role he's about to assume. I mean, you have, uh, of course, some of the, well, I don't even need to go into it. We've, we've, we know the status that we're at. Yeah. So as you think about that leadership challenge, if Biden's folks came to you and said, Hey, Ron, (laughs) what do we need to do here? What, what are some things that come to mind for you? About that, how to think about that. Yeah, that's actually an easy one because I've done a lot of thinking about this. And I think the number one thing, the number one issue is the divisiveness. And so how it work on overcoming that divisiveness. And yeah. and you see him already doing that. I mean, even in his, his speeches, he says, I'm as much a president for the people who didn't vote for me as the people who did vote for me. And, I, yeah. and, and he's echoing... Um, you know, uh, President Obama, who said, I'm the president of, for all people, right? And, yeah. and that's the critical thing, because the divisiveness, and you can see it. I mean, all the other problems are hampered 
and you know extremely hampered by that divisiveness so we can't muster a, a good uh, defense against the pandemic because people don't believe there's two sides there you know we, i mean that right now we call them the maskers and the anti-maskers but yeah. it really is about you know um coming together and and agreeing that we have uh, a superordinate goal and i, I use that term because i'm a, and I was trained as a social psychologist and the idea is when you have divisiveness you get this this bias, this in-group, out-group bias. We're the good yeah. guys. We're, we know what's going on. You guys are the bad guys. You're the out-group. And we know this from early social psychological studies of in-group, out-group bias, that the only way you can get people to pull together is to find that superordinate goal that they that both sides can agree upon and then, and then work toward. And yeah. we aren't going to solve any problems unless we come together. So what might a superordinate goal be that we can find common ground on? Well, I mean, you would think the pandemic would, would be one. And, and, and so there's, you know, so I think having consistent messaging, yeah, I mean, look at what, what's happened is we've lost faith in science. And, mm-hmm. you know, science is what's keeping us alive and together in many ways. I mean, the, you know, the greatest advancements in terms of longevity are due to scientific discoveries. Yeah. Um, the, you know, technology comes from science. I mean, the, the fact that we're even able to do this being thousands of miles apart is, yep. is due to, but, but there's a mistrust of science now, you know, yeah. and that's problematic. So interesting. Cause it's like a selective mistrust. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna benefit from the cancer treatment, and that was science. And by gosh, I'll take that. But again, some of these issues like masks or some other, you can go to climate, you can go to that whole conversation. But it's almost as if we selectively choose which pieces of science fit our paradigm and which don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right, and that's that's the problem, right? And instead of seeing it as you know, we have to agree on certain things. And I, and I know that, you know, we don't talk about facts. We talk, you know, when we're talking about like social science, we don't say it's proven, but there's support for this, that that, that this is the best course of action in a particular instance. And there's always going to be exceptions, but we have to agree, agree on this. I mean, you know, I think if we look at, kind of what's happening i mean we're going to have we've got weather issues right now a lot of it because of climate change and there's another good example where there are people who are climate deny you know climate change deniers and until we can pull together and say look we got to do something about this and there's some agreement we're not going to solve that problem and that problem's you know, that problem is going to kill us just like the pandemic is going to kill a number of us, you know, yeah. people are going to lose their lives due to, um, to weather incidents, to change the changing climate. Yep. Anything else come to mind of, of what he, well, he needs to focus on? Well, I mean, I think the other thing that we need to, I think we, one thing is we've got to really work on preserving our democracy. You know, I mean, I think that, the, the the challenges that have come to our democratic institutions in, uh, you know, just in this last administration is that we've got to, we've got to restore that because we've got to, you know, come up with, we've got to accept the fact 
that we have a system where the majority rules and there's going to be an unhappy minority, but the minority has to say, you know, look, we're going to, we're, we're going to go along with you out of this sense of unity. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we can't always be divided. Yeah. Well, and those, those, I think what you're tapping into is, which is so important is even shared agreement on some of the most basic fundamentals that have been assumed for decades, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just. And not perfect. By no means are any of those things perfect. Has an election ever been perfect? No. But. You know, when the Supreme Court through the Republican attorney general through the frontline poll worker has said it was in order, generally speaking, it's in order. Right. Yeah. And well, we I mean, you know, we there are things we're going to like and things that we don't like, but we have to you know, we have to come together. We have to adhere to rules, regulations, laws, you know, I mean, or or else there's chaos. Mm hmm. So, you know, so I think that's the, the biggest issue. And, and, you know, to be honest, when people dig in their heels and refuse to listen to reasonable arguments, I don't know how to solve that, you know? I mean, I think underneath it all is that, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in a liberal arts college. So one of the things that we try to do here and why I think liberal arts is a little different is we really try to instill critical thinking yeah. in, in our students. And I think that everybody needs a really good dose of critical thinking ability. They need to not just take things at face value, not just listen to one stream of news, whether it's, you know, rights, right uh, wing uh, laced or left wing laced. I think they're both problematic. Yes. But, Got to look at it and try to get some objectivity, take in different sides of information, and 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 come up with, you know, the a conclusion that's based on critical thinking and not just based on because they said something that I liked or something that agrees with my belief system. Yeah, because ultimately there's going to be there's going to be debate, you know. So what I always say to my students is. I want you to be able to argue both sides. And once you can can come up with an argument on both sides of whatever the issue is, ultimately then your values take over and what it is you value is where potentially you land. But make that an intentional process. Yeah. Again, to your point, don't just consume what the, what the left or the right, the storyline, the narrative that they're sharing, have you explored all of it. And yeah. really, truly work to explore it. And then where, where you end up on what you value is where you end. But I think to the, the confirmation bias, right? Yeah. Me just going to be fed my, my bias, that's, it's toxic. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because that, I think, is a lot of the problem, the, the sort of inherent biases that we have. So some of some of the the issues are are probably more hardwired evolutionary you know the in group out group bias for example is probably comes from our evolutionary roots right that, yeah. that people who are different we feared them because they could potentially harm us you know yeah. and and so there there's some root to that 
a lot of the other ones I think come out of our social processes, but, but we have to be aware of those, you know, I have a, a colleague right now who's working on an instrument to measure, uh, your sort of proneness to cognitive biases. Oh, wow. Thought, wow. That's a really great thing because what it's going to tell you is, is this person going to be easily swayed by these biases? Are they going to be trapped by their own cognitive biases? And, you know, he's actually in sort of the personnel world because he's saying, well, you don't want people like that in your workplace, right? If they're, yeah. you know, because uh, obviously it leads to discrimination and all other kinds of problems and lack of creative thinking. But, um, but I think that's a really important thing is we've got to learn to overcome um, these sort of human tendencies that lead us down the wrong path. It makes me think even of, obviously there's some of the classic experiments, but I, I think of the brown-eyed, blue-eyed, was that Nebraska or Iowa? Yeah, the that's school the classic. That's the classic in-group, out-group bias. I mean, she just picked eye color. And and what's interesting is I think it was the next day or maybe a couple yeah. days later, she flipped it around. And yeah, and they believed it. Yeah, I mean, so that she she argued one side, they they bought it hook, line, and sinker. The next day, she argued the other side. They bought it hook, line, and sinker. Right, and and that just shows you how, and, and, and you know, that just shows you how malleable we are, how powerful these biases are, and we have to stop ourselves and say, you know, that doesn't make any sense. How? Can <laughs> you know. Oh. Anything else come to mind on, on, on advice for Joe Biden? I mean, I think the other thing is, is about inclusion, right? And yeah. so he has to be inclusive. He has to, um, you know, have a diverse, um, a diverse set of advisors, you know. I, I mean, that, you know, this is just kind of common sense. Uh, you know, you get in, it, you know, it's very difficult. I mean, politics is, is really tough because you, you've got to um, – you got to stay in the position. You've got to, um, you know, you can't turn everybody off all at once. And so you have, I know you have to tread very lightly. And in fact, you know, there, I mean, that's the issue too, with organizational politics. And, yeah. and like I said, there, there's two weeks on organization <laughs> because it takes so long to even just explain, you know, what do we mean by politics? What are the, you know, what are the, the problems, the pitfalls, how, you know, what what's good about politics because it's not all bad it's neither good nor bad it's just a it's just a process we want to we want to further our own ends bob hogan robert hogan you know he one time yep. we were talking about leadership and he said it's really simple it, it, there's two things that leaders need to do they need to get ahead and they need to get along wow and you know and the get ahead is the political thing Right. The, the idea of I want to further my own ends. I want to get promoted. I want to have the things that I, I want. I want to achieve my goals. But you got to get along while you get ahead. Right? Yeah. So you can't, you know, do it by stepping on other people as you climb your way to the top. Right. I mean, you have to yeah. get along. So there, there. at least that's not a sustainable approach. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, no, no. It's well, I mean, it, the problem is this, Scott, you, you kind of know this. I mean, I'd like to make a big deal out of this is we often, when it comes to leadership or teams or groups, we equate uh, effectiveness with being good. Yeah. And you can be effective and be a bad leader. You can do terrible things. You can do terrible damage. Uh, so we want to be effective and we want to be good. 
And when yeah. I think good, I, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into the sort of, you know, we don't want to have sort of religious moral overtones, but we mean being a good person, being a person of, of a trustworthy person of good character. So yeah. it really comes down to that. Yep. Ron, other than daily leadership development, 365 steps to becoming a better leader, what are a couple resources that are seminal resources when it comes to this topic of leadership for you? What would two or three pieces of work that I can put in the show notes that people could also prioritize for the coming year? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I really think that, um, that a big issue right now is the inclusiveness. And, and so I'm going to recommend, you know, Stephanie Johnson's inclusify. I think you might've had Stephanie. Have you had Steph on your program? We did. We did. And actually she spoke in my class last night. We read her book as a part of the, my class. And then she zoomed in from Boulder, Colorado last night. So oh, it was wow. a great conversation. Yeah. We discussed the Boy Scouts for a long, long time. And it was a really interesting conversation ah, because they are moving through this transition of trying to be inclusive of young girls and yeah, women yeah. and how they navigate that and not ostracize the decades of Eagle Scouts, but advance the organization. And then even once they do become more inclusive, are they actually inclusive? Do young women feel welcomed and like they belong? So it was a really great, it's a great book too. My students yeah. loved it. It was a great book. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's one resource, you know, I mean, there are so many, you know, we think about, about, uh, Politics. Jerry Ferris sent me this recently, Political Skill at Work, huh. and I'm only partway through it now. It's a little, and it's it's um, accessible. I mean, it's it's written at a level that you know that most of your your listeners would uh, could could grasp it. It had you know it's based on research. You know, yeah. a lot of the stuff I read is much more technical. You know, I keep I keep Bass's handbook. You know right there where I can grab it, but I don't think Bass's handbook is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little thick, Ron. Yes. <laughs> I think I have it back here as well. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you yeah. were involved in that last version, weren't you? Well, I, I mean, you know, I helped uh, Ruth, you know, cause Bernie yeah. unfortunately passed before it was, before it came out. So I, I helped a little bit. I helped with being a resource for Ruth as she pulled the last pieces together, but he, he said something that will forever stick with me when I first met him. And I knew that I know that you knew him well and wrote with him. And, but we were at a conference. We were at the Gallup Leadership Institute. I think Bruce Avolio was at University of Nebraska and they had a couple conferences for a few uh -huh. years. And I met uh, Bernie Bass and I said, how have you stayed prolific for all of these years? And he said something to the effect of two pages a day adds up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could have a whole we we could have a whole conversation about. Brooklyn we should because he he was really a remarkable guy, and uh, but you know, I mean, I used to go with him to conferences, and he would. I mean, if you look at the handbook, he cites conference papers. He, I mean, he was, just, he was like a sponge. He just grabbed whatever he could. I remember him just grabbing reprints and talking to people and i had a hard time keeping up with them even though i was 20 years younger than he was. <laughs> so oh that's great well ron as always thank you sir for the work that you do 
thank you for the time today. Yeah. I hope you have a wonderful 2021. Yes, um, you do. And, uh, and I really appreciate all you do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Scott. And I appreciate your podcast. Okay. Be well. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's always so much fun to catch up with Ron Riggio. And I think the practical wisdom here is that it's an ongoing developmental process each and every day. And that's why I love the idea behind his current work. And the first passage in this book says leadership is about character. That's the foundation. Had a great conversation with Craig Johnson about that very topic. Leadership is about character. So it's ongoing. I don't know that any one of us are ever finished. And I think Ron's approach of a little bit every day will add up. For those of you who listen consistently to the podcast, the name James Clear has come up a few different times. Those little shifts, those little adjustments that really do add up. Happy New Year, everybody. Be well, take care, and here's to an exciting and awesome 2021. You have been listening to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with others and let them know what we're up to. And one last quick reminder to click subscribe so you know when we publish new episodes. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can stay in touch with me by visiting www.scottjallen.net or any number of social media platforms. Be well, be safe, and make a difference wherever you are on this beautiful planet. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.